Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now Welcome back to Acts of Pod. Hello. Sorry. Again, we missed a week. And wow, the feedback was brutal. And and I know it's coming from a place of disappointment and pain. So I can't, I'm sorry. We have to honor that. Yeah. And I'm sorry we disappointed you. Um, You know, when I started this summer, I was hoping for a T-Rex kind of summer. Hmm. You know, summer is not a bummer. <laughs> it's a stunner. Oh, yeah. And it's now. Yeah. That? I remember that but, song. Uh, <laughs> it's turned into a Bananarama summer for me. <laughs> cruel summer? Is that what you're talking about? It is. It's been very cruel. <laughs> been very cruel so i have not felt well but um anyway we are back everybody's back from vacation and everything else and we have got what i can only say is a whopper of a program (laughs) today um what we are going to talk about uh the popularization (laughs) and mandate for the seatbelt. Yes. <laughs> Move over plastic bags. Yeah. I know. And look, I know I've seen it. I've been seeing it all over Twitter. The kids are like They're really on fire I about wanna... this. Well, that I mean, this is the thing because they're like, you know, buckle it, homie. Yeah. I think yeah. or homeboy. I, it's they can't get enough of auto safety. It has and so hashtag to... seatbelts. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Right. Kiki, are you buckling? Yeah. Are you are you buckling or are you fuckling it up? <laughs> yeah. It's going to be that kind of party. Yeah. And uh anyway, so we wanted to try to again like bring in a millennial uh audience with some some straight seatbelt talk. And uh Hopefully, it's just what we need to bring in our 35th and 36th listener. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, this is it. This is, we've been, we've been saving yeah. this seatbelt topic. <laughs> we've had right. a no back pocket I mean, for a look, while. That's the thing. I mean, I've had Nader in my heart and in my back pocket for a couple Fs. Yeah. <laughs> 
So, yeah. pretty excited about this. It's only a matter of time. As is every, um, you know, lefty in the world that doesn't hold the 2000 election against them. That's another story. <laughs> but, um... Well. Anyway, so on Axelpod, what we like to do... Oh, first of all, I'm Gina. Ah. Hi, Gina. We got, Hi. Uh, we got Cezanne over here. I'm about to sneeze. Sorry. Wait. Nope. Um, it's gone. Cool. It's me. Oh, curse. <laughs> Hi, it's me, Cezanne. <laughs> all right, Cezanne, dealing with some, some seasonal allergies. Always. <laughs> Not seasonal. Lifetime allergies. <laughs> And then we got Anne over here. Hi. Just just thumping the boss. <laughs> slapping the boss. Re- slapping the boss. Um, Anne, mm-hmm. so, good hey to see there. you. Yeah. Happy to be here. Hi. Missed you. Talk, talking seatbelts. I'm, ha- I'm happy to see you. Happy to see you. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, so what we try to do um, is... Every week, there's something in the news Mm -hmm. that makes us furious, and then um, we text each other and talk about it, and uh, (laughs) then we figure out a way how to contextualize the issue um, within a a larger historical landscape, Mm -hmm. and we present it to you. Um, There is about 500 horrible articles this week, so... It's hard to pick one. Past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, we're in the middle of, I don't know what you would call it, sort of like a... Darkest timeline situation? Like if Mount Vesuvius was erupting, but rather than lava, it was just hot diarrhea. <laughs> so that that's like the political landscape. landscape. <laughs> yeah, it's the topography of the moment. But um, what stuck out to me is that... Uh, you know, we've had our favorite villains in the past, obviously Scott Pruitt, but I, I feel like we haven't paid attention to to uh, Nick Mulvaney with his John Lennon glasses. <laughs> and um, he um, essentially made himself the uh, director of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which was formulated in part by Elizabeth Warren after the huge uh, financial crash of 2008, and it was put there to protect consumers against predatory lenders and bank practices. And um, the uh, Republicans do not like it. No, they don't. Um, And people that, uh, the uh, people that give to their campaigns also do not like it. And so, at the first first opportunity, Nick Mulvaney, who had said that there was no need to even have the agency, installed himself as the head and um, started making incredibly helpful, for, for consumers, incredibly helpful decisions, including um, that... He fired the entire advisory board. Well, okay. I mean, why do you need advice? Just make decisions. That's exactly. Be a decider. Right. Well, they were being stupid. Well, and what's I'm and what's tired. funny about that is that they said that um, 
you know, he's like, well, we, we're going to be saving hundreds of thousands of dollars assembling these financial or, you know, these advisors to the board. They're not financial advisors. <laughs> They're just advisors. Um, and they said, hey, problem solved. We'll pay for our fare if you let us help advise you on the predatory loans of students, people trying to buy homes, etc. He said, no, thank you. See you around. So that's already a little bit um, frightening. Yeah. The other thing is that um, since 2011, the Bureau released reports of grievances made against or made by consumers against institutions like Bank of America, Equifax, Wells Fargo. And uh, 10 months ago, that practice abruptly stopped with no plans to resume. Yeah. And that's when that quote you mentioned earlier, Anne, what was yeah, it? Yeah, it was Mulvaney said, uh, I don't see anything in here that says I have to run a Yelp for financial services sponsored by the federal government. Ugh. Yeah. So, so uh, what's a little he bit, saying I would there? say that's a little bit glib. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just, uh, you know, he meets with lobbyists quite a bit, but he, he has made rulings um, to help and get rid, deregulate um, uh, for payday loans on yeah. behalf of payday lenders. Yeah. So just you. That's the side again, he's on, clearly. Like, yeah. Right. I read something about uh, st- stripping enforcements of fair lending protections. So yeah. fair lending protections. Ah. Well, right. fairness and wh- in general. But, yeah. uh, right. uh, nope, Sick sorry. Bye. It's not my game. But it's hard to... Th- I mean, but it is hard to think of, like, what a legitimate reason for that would be. Like, why would you... Like, to, as a sell to the American public, why would you make it easier for banks to... Oh, I don't know. Mm. Open seven accounts in your name <laughs> like Wells Fargo yeah. or you know charge you 17% on a $200 loan that turns into $9,000 or you know it seems I mean like if you were just going to take a stab at it Gina what would what would you say it seems crooked <laughs> just a little bit what gets me crooked. is I don't I know how hard it was for you to say that. Do they really think they're ever going to get any money back when you're preying on just regular lower or middle class? What what money are you actually getting back? Well, they oh, you're you're squeezing every last dime. So you're you're yeah. um, you're making it hard so for their lives to function, yeah. period, because they've got, they're yoked with this debt. So. Yeah. That well, continues yeah. to grow. Yeah. Creating. So rather yeah. than, so rather than have like a week of debt, you can squeeze somebody for like five years of debt. They can just keep paying and paying and paying and paying in perpetuity. Even after they've long paid off the principal. Right. You know, the if you have these really high interest rates and they've long given you the $200 that they ever owed you. But at this point in interest, they owe you, let's say, $1,000. And so um, they don't have a they don't have a problem 
um, like where the money comes from. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't matter. coming in. Right, right, right. What happens? So. What happens when you die and you're in debt? Um, God doesn't let you into heaven. <laughs> yeah. You just get totally shut down at those pearly gates. I mean, yeah. like, are, do they come in and like, are like, well, you, we're gonna have to collect the vintage lamps you got. The, okay, and um, <laughs> would you? Are you insinuating that there is a place? <sighs> um. I mean, maybe like near um, area fifty-two. Is that what it's called? No. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's just full of antique lamps, <laughs> like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> right. You're like, wait a second. Is this this can't be another lamp? Oh, sweet lord, it is. <laughs> what is happening? What's this madness? <laughs> What are they going to do with all these antique lamps? But anyway. the answer is, Anne, that, yeah, your debt becomes a responsibility of your estate. So whatever is left, you know, whoever you're indebted to takes Eesh. their piece. And then... So if, that can yeah. really take a chunk out of your children or whoever you're leaving something to. Yeah, they they literally take a pound of flesh. <laughs> it's horrifying. Yeah. It will take a chunk out of your children. Um but anyway, it it's uh but the what I thought was interesting is that there was in fact a time where and we've talked about it before, like with Silent Springs mm-hmm. or The Jungle mm-hmm. um by Upton Sinclair. Um <sighs> there were times in American history where people were just um had to remind the people in charge that if they were indeed representing the best interests of the people, Mm -hmm. that maybe they would take a (laughs) looky-loo at what's going on inside of a slaughterhouse. Yeah. That was a rough read. why were um, rivers catching on fire? Right. Or kids uh, growing a tail and talents because <laughs> um, their school is glowing green. Yeah, Things like right. that. And one of the big turning points that sort of refocused the lens back on consumer protections and, and, and fighting for the, the interest of the uh, American, American's health, well-being, uh, et cetera, was in 1965... Mm-hmm. Ralph Nader. Dreamboat. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. Okay. Okay. You're not wrong. I'm not. I'm sorry, but hey, hey. it's got a strong brow, eyebrow, which I like. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of like. worthy complexion wrink- that I enjoy. <laughs> and also that sort of wrinkled button up that looks like he slept in it at the yeah. office. Dedicated. Like a, he's because he's passionate yeah. and he believes in something, and he's. Uh, I'm with you on that. Okay, no, I get it. I, I'm just looking now. I'm looking at. I thought I had an old picture of him, and 
all these papers. To show the audience. Yeah, all these papers I'm shuff, shuffling around. No, I would I definitely, yeah, definitely do a couple more shuffles to find a picture that only you can see. Well, as long as you, as long as you just describe him in just minute detail. Well, I was going to try, man. I, I mean, I first of it. all, there's natural light. He's standing next to a window. Uh, he has an features. earnest, direct look on his face that's admirable. <laughs> that was Gina's impression of me. Approachable. Approachable. <laughs> yeah. the natural light. Yeah, oh, here it is. He looks very um, ardent. Oh, there you go. Yes. That's a good one. That's a good word. You know, and, um, yeah, I'm not going to lie, you know, like. Well, we've talked about your lying. (laughs) So we discussed this when it comes to history, all I do is lie. Um, (laughs) um, all right. Sure. Sure. Or, or, well, anyway, so his, the, the epic tome that changed the conversation was called unsafe at any speed Mm -hmm. at any speed and his argument and in the book and it had been a a passion of his for a while oh was that sorry no go ahead no go for it i was just i just i like the subtitle of the book yeah unsafe at any speed the designed in dangers of the American automobile. I, I like that so he wasn't he's very much like making culpable the the manufacturers and corporations. Yeah. And I like that he was right. willing to use that hyphenated awkward word in his title. It is an awkward <laughs> designed <word>. in. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's uh, it's stylistically well, off putting. But it right. does get the job it's done. It's awkward. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it is awkward. There's about a hundred other ways to say it. This but the can 60s. you think of one off the top of your head? This is a 60s no. man. I guess you're right. I can't. Is this a 60s man when you could just hyphenate anything and put it in your title? <laughs> just hyphenate anything. Have a lion, a bed in, Do you a need it? Is, is the English language insufficient? Hyphenate it. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's free love, it's free hyphens, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> try using a sim, try using a semicolon. See how it feels. Just wiggle around in it, you Come know. On. Explore the space. You don't have to be married to it. I mean, no, absolutely not. I mean, that's not what free love is about. Try it out. What? You know, I mean, some people call it a dash. Some people call it a hyphen. I mean, and some might call it a fractal. Nobody calls it that. <laughs> Absolutely nobody. <laughs> All right. So, unsafe at any speed. Um, now, we can take this. Let's take this book back to its origins. Yes. Let's do that. Which is um, when the uh, intellectual spark was ignited in a, in a, a young Ralphie. Oh. Mm-hmm. Ralph. Uh, he was graduated from Princeton and then went on to Harvard Law. And so what I read is that he was fascinated by, like, who would be found culpable in a fatal car accident? Would it necessarily be the driver or would it be the manufacturer if there were, in fact, safety 
measures that they could have taken that would have helped preserve life and they chose not to do it like design features mm-hmm. yeah. and um and so that you know that sort of lo- logic puzzle for him ended up after he was uh sort of doing research about you know highway fatalities and everything else it sort of became a, a an obsession and a passion for him yeah mm-hmm. What were you going to say, Anne? Uh, well, no, I... Actually, well, I was thinking about the backlash after the book got big. Oh. Um, oh, oh, you were you thinking were gonna, of the end you, of the yeah. narrative? Uh, okay, no, no, no. Okay, l- listen, listen. So, in the book, he... Oh, see, but I don't know if I should even go with that, because... <sighs> okay. Sorry. I'm, do you want to? Do you want to think about there's it? There's just there's so much that I got into, and um. <sighs> trying to figure out okay, what okay. How about this? How about this? So the book comes out and manages to freak out like GM and Chevrolet. Right. I, I, if I could just, yeah. if I could just squeeze in a bullet point okay. here was that, um, you know, he, he served in the army for six months and then Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who was a long, long serving Senator, he also had, um, been committed to highway safety issues. He heard about the work that Nader was doing. And so he hired him as, a consultant at the labor department. Right, okay. And that's when they started their researching in earnest and he started putting the book together. <clears throat> but it also helped to make that connection that not only could they put pressure on these automotive companies to design safer cars, but they could also regulate it using, you know, making a governmental standard for right. it. Right. So right. that that's the bullet point I wanted to get to, but then yeah, now we're straight up. Well, the book. Can we talk bef- before that? Can no. we talk about how it was hard? He had a hard time getting it published at first. Yeah, and I then it oh, it yeah. ended up being like as popular as. Uh, why did I lose the Truman Capote book? What's the name? Uh, Ink yeah. Blood. Oh. Like it oh, ended it was, up. Yeah, it became a bestseller. Yeah, it was a bestseller. It was like, as far as nonfiction goes, it was mm-hmm. as popular as in Cold Blood. And um, but initially, people were like, nobody would be interested in this except no. insurance companies. Why would anyone want to read an entire book <laughs> yeah. about cars, like the safety of cars? Right. I mean, to be fair, that's a very good point. Yeah. Well, I I I gotta say, I don't really necessarily want to pick it up and read it cover to cover. No. I'll I'll take the highlights. I mean, I get the gist. <laughs> it's not safe. No. But no. apparently people were really in- interested in it. So he definitely, like, hit a nerve, you know? Well, and I read um, one, of the th- one of the cases that when he was doing all this research on for the Labor Department, that one of the cases that stuck with him was that there was a child, it was a low-impact crash, and there was a child in the passenger seat, and the glove, depart- the glove compartment oh. 
Is that what it's called? Yep. The the bit yeah. that's in front yep. of you? Um, it had opened and mm. decapitated Mm-mm. the child Mm-mm. because it was so slim. And they were saying, you know, it's... They just, like, made... They just made a glove compartment door that was sort of like a guillotine. <laughs> like... Yeah. Sadly, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, um... But, you know, he said that, like, he had seen pictures from the scene. It was horrifying. And and it was such an easy fix. That's the other thing, is that the only reason... And, again, I, I, I think you're going to find this shocking... Yeah. Uh, the reason that these design features that would have promoted safety um, were not just uh, immediately just put in every car mm-hmm. is because uh, it would cost yeah, money. Yeah, it's yeah. expensive to well, not to make it so that your glove compartment doesn't chop heads off. Right, you got to go back to the drawing board. You got to yeah. pay those designers. Yeah, you got to run tests. There was an option for a deluxe seatbelt that cost extra. Oh, you could pay more like a yeah. Yeah, so like you an paid, upgrade. You paid more for a seatbelt that as I think Nader actually ended up arguing was actually <laughs> really unsafe. Oh, really? <laughs> like, yeah, nice. <laughs> like, um I don't know. I I tried to I you know, I googled, I tried to figure out 1960 style seatbelts, but I'm yeah, sorry, guys. I just couldn't get to the bottom of it. That rabbit hole um. was too tempting not to jump I, into. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard for me to verbalize my disappointment. Um. But what you guys can't see is I have tears running down my face. Um, so you know, I gave. It, yeah. What? Oh, oh! I was just gonna say that. I mean, the only note I gave you this whole week was, can belt, you seat belt, give seat me belt. a good idea of the construction of a seatbelt <laughs> in mid-century cars? I mean, and, there, was, um, there were different. There was the push button, the standard. I, you know, I, I, I can't explain it, guys. I'm sorry. Um, oh, okay. I mean, it's like the only thing I asked you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, oh... Oh, God. So, in his book, he also talks about... He takes a look, you know, at a specific car. The Corvair. Yeah. Which I I thought it was um, funny because... You thought Corvair had, like, a suspension that was, like, almost like it was designed to lose control... Right or roll right. over, and it would flip. Yeah, right. It would flip. Yeah. Now, <laughs> you know, I did read some like I went to some car enthusiast sites, and you know, <laughs> they were like, "Oh, the Corvair, it's not the death trap it's made out to be, Mister Nader, or whatever." And like, sure, mm-hmm. like, yeah, they could have used any car. The Pinto hadn't been around yet. The the, 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 the car that just bursts into flames. The Yugo. You know. <laughs> the Gremlin. Yeah, okay. But anyway, it was a car that was cr- apparently crazy dangerous. Um, now. Uh, do you remember in what? the 80s, it was like, was it Azuzus or something that they were top heavy? And so they kept flipping yeah. over. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, there's always something. And like, yeah. So, so this is from an article um, called "Why You Should Buy a 1960s Chevy Corvair Right Now." It's not a death trap, by the way. Um, Good. So from, so they're like pointing out like, blah blah blah, like oh Nader could have picked any car, (laughs) which uh, again, okay. To it his doesn't point. necessarily make it better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nice no. try. But, uh, but the articles, yeah, the article says there there were valid complaints about the cars. The heating system would sometimes leak noxious fumes into the cabin. Okay. Um, oopsie doopsie. <laughs> the tires were often overinflated to compensate for handling. The polished metal dashboards would blind drivers when the sun hit them. <laughs> <laughs> But then, and then there's a quote from Jay Leno. Uh, you know, he has his car show, he TV show. He is a car enthusiast. This is a wonderful yeah. road car. A lot of people put down, oh, should I try and do a Jay Leno impression? Oh, no, please. I'm not. No, absolutely <laughs> yes. not. Um, a lot of people put down the Corvair, but I consider it one of the best 10 general motor cars of all time. Okay. Uh, it was just so different. They're built nicely, and they're a lot of fun. Yeah, when you're a fun. billionaire. A lot of fun. Yeah, when you when it's like just you're riding around for for kicks car, take it around the block car, or keep yeah. it in your garage car. Yeah. So, Nell, and this is kind of where it's not necessarily tricky, but it, here's the timing of it, is that so... After the book was published, it wasn't necessarily hit right off the bat, but it did get enough attention to where they wanted GM to come before Congress, mm-hmm. you know, and try to suss out the situation. Like, it, is, is it in fact possible to make cars safer? What would it take, et cetera? And so while they were waiting for that trial, they decide GM... Mm-hmm. This is good. This right. is good. Um, yeah. To hire private detectives mm. to try to dig up dirt on Ralph Nader and follow him around. And I just wanted to get in the name. Um, the. Uh, oh, yeah. So GM's general counsel that admitted to hiring private detectives in, uh, in the ensuing, ensuing Senate hearing. His name was Aloysius Parker. Yes. <laughs> Aloysius. Man of the people. <laughs> Salt of the earth. Aloysius. Aloysius Parker. That name is underused. <laughs> but when it is used, you know exactly who it's talking about. Aloysius. Somebody who gets private detectives to try to smear someone's name so you could protect... Your financial interests in a car company <laughs> at the expense of human life. Yeah. That is what that name means in Gaelic. So. <laughs> it's a direct translation. Um, but that is my favorite part. So what what I just think is so hilarious is that they asked about 60 of his closest friends uh, questions about him and his life. So... He was a little suspicious that there were strangers <laughs> right. asking all of every single person in his life questions. He didn't know if it was the FBI or what. And um, so, oh, okay. 
And uh, what was funny, or not funny, maybe ironic, but is that when the public found out that he had been tailed by GM in an effort to, you know, to affect his credibility before the trial, that story blew up in the press. (laughs) And that is what made the book so popular. Because they were like, anybody that would go to these extreme lengths, Mm -hmm. you know, like, they obviously are trying to silence something. Okay, okay. That that brings it all together for me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. So, but this is, uh, they ended up having a Senate hearing, essentially because, you know, Ralph Nader was bringing charges against GM yeah. for, you know, this invasive. And um, they, General, when General Motors, okay, they said in the hearing uh, that they wanted to find out what made, her, what made Nader tick examining his real interest in safety, mm. his supporters, if any, his <laughs> politics, his marital status, his friend, his women, boys, etc. <laughs> what the drinking, dope, jobs, <laughs> in fact, all facets of his life. <laughs> no. They went around asking questions of his friends, including why do you think a 32-year-old man has not gotten married yet? Oh, wow. So, um, and then this so this is what happened, is that he started noticing that there were, he kept running into the same two women everywhere he yeah. went. And they were being <laughs> fairly sexually suggestive. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And as earnest as he was... He knew that he didn't usually garner that kind of attention <laughs> from from sexually aggressive women. Yeah, like in a grocery store or something. Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was like more, more than once, I think. Yeah. And come to find out, they were, in fact, sex workers that had been ha- hired by GM to entrap him. Wow. And because... And it, it because of his genius IQ, he was <laughs> he he saw right through that. He sure did. He didn't fall for it. Right. That masterful. Do you like bread? Trickery. Do you like yeah. sandwiches? Do you like bread? Bread. <laughs> you know what? Like honestly, get some me going. Automobiles. You know what? Um, I I want to show you a seatbelt. Um, yeah. Oh my god! Can That's I fuck you in? I think <laughs> I would be so good in that role. GM should pay me. Hi. I know. I was like, um, if you're thinking about writing Nader. <laughs> erotic fan fiction I'm gonna Don't ask quit you your day to, job <laughs> yeah I'll see a career in it uh, oh, oh, oh. that's exciting oh but um yeah so oh speaking of exciting mm-hmm. now um there's something that I asked of the girls earlier mm-hmm. um you know since we have been running of 
a very successful podcast, getting what I can only describe as tens of elevens of listens. <laughs> Beautiful numbers. Beautiful. We, we wanted advertisers to know that we could be solid representatives for their company. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I know the numbers maybe aren't there yet, but I feel like once they get um, a good taste of what we can do when we work together, mm-hmm. then maybe it could change their minds, you know, if they just heard us in that capacity. Yeah. So um, I wrote a script earlier... Um, and you ladies should yeah, have a copy. Yeah, I've got it pulled up. I haven't, I haven't it, read yeah. it yet. I'm, I'm ready to advertise for this company. All right. So, um, again, this is just going out there to anybody who owns a small and or large business. <laughs> this is something we can do for really you. Really any business. <laughs> really any business. It doesn't even have to be legal as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not the uh, police. Uh, no. And we're we're not going to call the we are not the type to get the police involved. Let's just let's just put it that way. Okay? Yeah, no. We don't call the cops around here. Look, it, so, this is just an ad, guys. Come on. Hire us. It's just an what? ad. Pay us for yeah. ads. What? Just pay us for doing it. <sighs> just pay us. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's not even, it's not hard. Why? why why are they making it's, it so hard? I mean, it's not like buckling up before you go on a car trip. I'm I can sell a I can either. sell a seatbelt to a Henry Ford. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So here it goes. Um, now these, of course, are fabricated companies, but I think you'll get the gist. This is for a company called Red Oven Mitt. Not all meal kit services are created equal. If you listen to podcasts, then you know that there are several home delivery meal kit companies out there who will cater to vegans, large families, paleo, allergy needs, but none of them ever quite fit your lifestyle. (laughs) That's where Red Oven Mitt comes in to serve a more niche and overlooked clientele who demands freshness and taste, but may not fill the conventional mold. I'm a busy working mother, and I want to make sure my kids eat nutritious meals, but I don't always have the time to plan ahead. That's why I can depend on Red Oven Mitt. This week's options include, can you not, Brayden? With a large portion of field greens, roasted chicken, root vegetables, and frozen dinosaur chicken nuggets, because Brayden isn't feeling it. Like Suzanne, I'm a mother who wants what's best for her children, too. But do we even know what goes into the food that they eat? With Red Oven Mitt, I know exactly what I'm getting. This week's menu is fresh salmon with dill, fluffy rice pilaf, and fresh greens with balsamic vinaigrette. It's delicious, and I know this because we ate it last week, and it's been sitting in the fridge, and I'm almost certain it's still safe to eat, and my baby is screaming, and they're just going to eat it or starve to death. How about that? I'm on the dining for one plan, perfectly portioned for those of us who choose a different path, a lonely, quiet path. This week's meal is Swedish meatballs served over creamy egg noodles with the right amount of ingredients to form exactly two meatballs, which is all you're going to need. 
Order now, and they'll also include a small side dish of tuna tartare for your cat, because they know you have a cat, and Mrs. Tapioca deserves a treat. There's never a repeated meal, and you can cancel at any time. One of my favorites is the not-today-Satan option that's just a bag of flaming hot Cheetos and a box of wine. Or you can choose a meal that I helped to design. Just the knobs of unfinished bean and cheese tacos with undated packets of Taco Bell fire sauce. And if you feel inspired, you're going to appreciate the unintentional Tecate marinade. My personal favorite so far has been, well, can your dad's new girlfriend make lasagna? Lasagna with fluffy ricotta layers of sumptuous noodles and a pre-filled vape pen for when you go to the bathroom and cry after the children go down. So give Red Oven Mitt a try. Use our promo code. Cow, whole girl. Cow, whole girl. You can cancel at any time. Oh, man. That was beautiful. <laughs> That was beautiful. Can you not, Brayden? Can can you not, Brayden? Everybody else is eating it. (laughs) That's it. Yeah, that's the other thing. We didn't rehearse. Imagine what would happen. I didn't even read it. That was a cold. It's what it's what you call in the biz a cold read. Okay. Well, I called it a first read. I'm sorry. I'm just but, uh, the biz. Imagine what we could do <laughs> for yeah, you. That's my point. That's what we're if you saying paid us, you. we would read it at least once before we recorded it. Or would we? I think yeah. it's better just. Well, it to, just tell us what you want, okay? <laughs> yeah, we'll just do it. I mean, look. I mean, as Tupac said, "How do you want it?" <laughs> yeah. Right? How do you feel? Oh god. Um Okay, so sorry, I'm doing some GM. I'm doing some shuffling oh. because at some point I do have some funny things uh that Henry Ford said. Well, what are you holding out on uh, us Henry, for? Well, yeah, why yeah. And well not Henry Ford, Henry Ford the second. Okay. Um, Play it on us. Okay, so um and this is in regards to, you know, the impending federal regulations that are gonna gonna happen uh, to make sure cars aren't death traps. Um, Henry Ford II said, uh, "This is at a congressional hearing." He ur- he cautioned co- Congress not to do anything irrational about the problem. He warned, should should the lawmakers do something that is irrational, they can upset the economy of this country. Um, Traffic safety seems to be on everyone's mind, Mr. Ford observed, and it certainly is a harassment to the automobile industry. We are being attacked on all sides. So, um, you know... you gotta feel sorry for these guys. Um, they're being harassed. It's it's interesting how uh, that this same tech keeps keeps coming up and up again and again of uh, 
you know, they're being we're being attacked. Like right. people the the industry that's that uh, the industries that are responsible for climate change, the mm-hmm. cigarette companies. Mm-hmm. Right. It's always it's always a witch hunt, isn't it? Right. Yeah. It's it's like the argument of a seventh grader. Right. I don't know. You're attacking me. Well, and that's the thing, because you know, really who is the real victim? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that is yeah. Is I mean, it Henry sure. Ford's heir or <laughs> Yeah, I understand that you had to see your kid get decapitated, and I'm sure it was painful. But do you understand that I'm getting so much pressure about the seatbelt issue <laughs> that I, like, can barely be away from a toilet? Like, it, the stress is unreal. I had to, I had to cancel my golf game. <laughs> Yeah, and I, lo- I, you know, I have a passion for it. No sailing for me this weekend. <laughs> the toilet's not strong enough. Do they? Do they not know that that's going to cost us money? <laughs> and like look, again, and my own personal discomfort. <laughs> I, I cannot tell you how bad I feel that your father was impaled through the heart <laughs> by our steering wheel. Could we build a safer steering wheel? Yes. Do we want oh, to? Oh God, of course. Do we want to? <sighs> no. That's a lot of that's a lot of work. No, in fact, if we could make a more dangerous steering wheel for less money, we just want to kill we everybody. We'd like to caution you against trying to convince us not to. It could be bad for the economy. Yeah, I mean, if we could put more lead in gasoline, we would. There's so many things we would do. Um, but we're just again we just don't have the free and I thought this was America but you do not have the freedom <laughs> to um, <laughs> I have th- yeah just yeah th- no this is another this this quote might be my favorite because it's just kind of like I don't know it reminds me of like Ross Perot or something but it's like <laughs> because if you start by law to fool around with model changes or to tell the industry that it must do this, that, or the other thing to its products within a period of time in which it cannot be done for engineering reasons, for production reasons, or for any other kind of reason, you upset the whole cycle of this industry. That's just nonsense. Right. Yeah. It can't be done. I you mean, it can. can. It can. It can be around. done, but we don't wanna. Fooling. We can make an well, entire car, but we after we made it, we we can't change it again. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you know, because just recently, um, I meant to say this earlier, but I I'll sort of end on it just. Uh, before we go into our conclusion, but, um, you know, there was that whole net neutrality <sighs> issue and people were wondering, well, like, what what could the actual harm be <laughs> um, if we lose uh, net neutrality? Well, I'm just going to uh, just read this little bit. I'm reading it straight from the article. Okay. So, this there's a wildfire out in California. Right. In the midst of our response to the Mendocino complex fire, 
County Fire discovered the data connection for OES 5262 was being throttled by Verizon and data speeds had been reduced to one two hundredth or less than the previous speeds. These reduced speeds severely interfered with their ability to function effectively. My information technology staff communicated directly with Verizon via email about the throttling, requesting it be immediately lifted for public safety purposes. Verizon did not immediately restore full speeds to the device, however. And this is in quotes, Verizon representatives confirmed the throttling. Rather than restoring us to an essential data transfer speed, they indicated that County Fire would have to switch... (gasps) to a new data plan at more than twice the cost. Oh, my God. Whoa. Can you imagine them having to go through, like, the customer service menu, like, trying to fucking save lives? (laughs) Like, we have to switch our data plan. gobbling up homes. Oh, my. Right? That they they would only remove throttling after we contacted the department that handles billing. And switch to the new data plan. Wow. Yeah. So that's that's the problem. That's why we have regulations. Yeah. Because if there, the, you don't think that people would do things like that, but not only <laughs> oh, uh, will they, they don't even have the good sense to say they're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because yeah, like you, they were probably talking to some like. <laughs> Like low level, oh, like customer service person who's like, no, sorry, I can't do that, and they're just going through the decision tree. It's like, how right. mad is this person? You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. God, you you guys have no idea. I'm gonna save it because I I'm gonna pitch y'all a a podcast episode theme after this. Okay, you just hit okay. on something that I have been recently. Oh, I think I know about, and I've even made already made a PowerPoint about it. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, when you're talking about um, internet service in this country, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I'm into it. I'm angry. And uh, oh, okay. Surprise. No, I feel really good. I'm always calm and everything's cool. (laughs) But this, this is really got me going. (laughs) Okay, so you're just making the announcement that you're, you are, it's in the works. You have a project in the works. (laughs) But so what the takeaway for me anyway from this story, just on a personal level, Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, there's a reason why we have regulations other than k- keeping people from making money. Yeah, it's not uh, just right. it's right. not just because we want to be like the gadfly, just right. annoying the shit out of businesses. No, just right. because we've got nothing better to do. Yeah. No, Ain't that make you miserable. <laughs> <laughs> Does this bother but, you? And the other, but the other thing is that. What Nader and, again, like Upton Sinclair and I can't remember her name, but I already said it. So just reference that from earlier. Rachel um, Carson. Silent Spring. Yes. Yes. Um, but certainly with Nader anyway, is that he created a blueprint 
that is still possible for us today. Like, as we're watching, like, Mulvaney, like, dissemble the, this consumer protection financial bureau. So there's, I don't know what the order of those words are at the moment, but the it consumer matter financial protection essentially non-functioning right now, right? You know what I'm talking about, guys. Yeah, I already yeah. said it once. Um, but is that hypothetically our representatives should be representing our needs. So, um, like there's no better example of the fact that there's so much corporate money in politics that there's a politician that would dare try to get prescription drugs prices lowered mm. that would try, you know, any sort yeah. of like safety face, like, uh, you know, fight energy companies to try to clean the air. Like it is, it, that is political suicide at this point because people be, are constantly trying to raise money for campaigns. But what, what it should actually look at look like is that people were trying to make sure we did have the safest cars that had the fewest emissions that we did, you know, that the materials that we use are, have the least harmful impact on the environment <laughs> or, or, or whatever. kids pajamas weren't always catching on fire or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, there, there is a way to, you know, we just, if we can get money out of politics, but certainly just, just pressure. I mean, if there's something that is important to you, um, you know, get it out there, talk to the press, blog about it, write about it, organize, try to get a representative in your area. Like all of these things are possible. Write a book. Right. Well, you're going to have to write a book. Um, you don't and obviously uh, look out for tricksters who are trying right, to and, entrap and you. Please, please look out for advances from sex workers that are out of the ordinary or uninvited. <laughs> but anyway, well, so if after what I can only say is an absolute masterpiece episode like this, <laughs> once again, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. All we do is win every single pod. That's right. Um, so if you want to get in touch with us, we are on Instagram at Axopod. We're on Facebook at Axopod. We're on Twitter mm-hmm. uh, as Axopod. Axopod at Gmail. That's which right. Last time I did a challenge to break 10 emails, we met that challenge. Fantastic. Okay. Part of it was due to me trying to establish a website, so there was all these emails like, you've created an account. No, but we did actually, disregarding that, we did actually get emails from... um, Disregarding the junk mail? Yeah, disregarding that, we got emails from actual people. Um, Maybe one of them is someone that I might be married to, but it's okay. (laughs) We got a got an email. We got a meme. We got from our a very first meme from a very special listener. A very special listener. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, 
it's hilarious check out instagram so thanks thanks listeners for breaking 10 thanks listeners i'm gonna try a little reverse psychology i'm gonna say don't email us (laughs) Ooh, see how that works out don't do it we don't want to see it we don't want to know what you think you better not you better not email don't do it don't you do it you're gonna make us furious don't you do (laughs) it absolutely do not like our instagram Uh -uh. stay away please do not this is a private endeavor i will be incensed I will be. I will. I will contact your mother and have her slap you. There you go. All right. Okay. Well, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, shortly. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye, buddies. Goodbye. Bye, guys. Goodbye. It's fun. And stop. And stop. Hmm.